0: Yeah, glad you guys are here. Absolutely right. glad to be well, here. Yeah, so um, we've wanted to have you guys on here before. We've had um, Aaron was yep. on already, yep. but mm-hmm. Luxor is one of the...
1: Luxor was like, Aaron didn't do a good job. We've got to right. see two guys as <laughs> backup.
0: double Aaron's <laughs> impact for bringing both of you guys on here. So, nice. Go ahead and like introduce yourself Tell everybody. We'll, we'll go background to background, but yeah. yeah like Sure. Just let everybody know who you are and all that.
2: Great. I'll kick it off. So uh, Colin Kelly, my background is in mechanical engineering. Studied uh, right here in the great state of Texas at the University of Houston. So um, straight out of school, it was uh, 2016, so oil and gas was way down. So way I, decided, down. Yeah. I decided to go to uh, the tech route and uh ended up doing telecommunications uh infrastructure so designing fiber optic networks to data centers cell towers residential commercial these kinds of things so i did that for about eight years started off as a design engineer worked my way through the ranks project management kind of did a little bit of it all there and uh 2017 early 2017 fell down the bitcoin rabbit hole and um started plugging some s9s in my garage and uh, I, was, I go okay this is what i want to be doing how how do i get here you know mm-hmm. so i really just started immersing myself in the bitcoin community rubbing elbows going to the meetups the conferences these kinds of things and just learning you know that's what uh, this space is about education and i mean to really get a good grasp on bitcoin you need to study it for a couple years and that's what it took for me so uh, flash forward to about 2020, 2021, I decided, OK, I know uh, I got involved with some small time consulting stuff, club projects, helping buddies plug in miners in their warehouses, garages, sheds, these kind of things. I go, OK, there's some opportunity here for me. How do I uh, get in here? So I spun up my own company called Blue Bonnet Data. And uh, through Bluebonnet, you know, Texas got to represent. (laughs) So
3: um,
2: through Bluebonnet, I was able to um, really build a a personal brand for myself. And I got involved with the ASIC markets and I realized there's some great opportunity here. People don't know how to get these machines, you know, to the the states in a safe manner. They need somebody they can trust and that can handle these Chinese vendors and everything. So I saw the opportunity there and I just went full force you know, solo broker role. I was out there wheeling and dealing, trying to put together deals. And uh, after a while, I got some small stuff done and pitched some big guys and got my name out there. And after a while, uh, Luxor came along and said, Hey man, we like what you're doing. Why don't you come over here and do it with the big boys? So,
3: (laughs) so yeah, Um, uh,
2: coming up on five months now at Luxor second day on the job. They said, Hey, Colin, I wasn't even done with my onboarding stuff. They said, Hey, Colin, we need you to jump on a plane and fly to Tennessee and unplug 1900 miners for inspection. So I said, OK, let's do it. And uh, ever since then, it's it's been uh, a grind, man, and just an amazing um, experience so far. I mean, since the first of the year, we've uh, I've personally sold over $11 million of basic hardware. So this year, wow. this year. What? Yeah, that's that's right. awesome. A lot of volume. Yeah, that's
0: good to know. That <laughs> so in this market, like, we're still moving.
2: And that's what, and that's what I think, you, you know, you hear about the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin bear market mm-hmm. and everything going down. But when you look at the hardware side and, and from my desk and that point of view, the guys with the capital that were ready, uh, saw all these machines come into the secondary market. Mm-hmm. You know, all these big guys started filing Chapter 11, liquidating assets, these kinds of things. Well, the experienced miners with the cash roll and the rack space, guess what they were doing? buying up those machines as mm-hmm. fast as they could we saw enormous amounts of capital rolling in when bitcoin was 16k mm-hmm. you know and bouncing around in there so it's really promising um looking from the hardware side absolutely things are picking back up mm-hmm. fresh capital is moving back into the space so that's it, like it's basically it's awesome.
0: buying production in oil and gas at the bottom of the market mm-hmm. right you're buying asics which are your world war ii but yep. you're essentially buying that production with it so
1: matt what's your background
0: yeah so Speaking of oil and gas, I have a pretty mm.
4: decent history there. Uh, so I graduated from LSU, uh, next door LSU, right? Uh, son of Louisiana, probably. I love
0: LSU, man. I love LSU. The best football games in college football. Yeah, best I don't. I don't know. There's I, much competition. People will say there is, but I love it. If if you've I'm an honorary LSU guy, if you've <laughs> not been
4: to a tailgate at LSU, mm-hmm. like don't try to compare. That's like, where my
1: brother met his girlfriend.
4: Is it at a tailgate? Yeah,
1: at a tailgate. At LSU game, that's a love story right there. Brought (laughs) her back to Houston. She's been here ever since. That's
4: awesome. So yeah, like speaking of like every every Friday, like since I became a professional, I try to wear some form of purple every Friday. So I like it. Yeah, I like it.
0: You just you went up even further notch in my book.
4: Exactly. That's what I go for. (laughs) Keep up in the game. Uh, So yeah, LSU mechanical engineering as well. Um, I jumped into oil and gas in 2012, uh, working for FMC. Now technique Mm -hmm. FMC, right? So uh, subsea oil and gas working on well control pipeline, manifold riser controls. That's where I got some early exposure to like networking and uh, technology and stuff like that from the professional side and uh, worked there for four years, got to travel the world. So that was really cool. I got to go to uh, Equatorial Guinea, South Africa, Ghana, Scotland, Newfoundland. Halifax and uh, Nova Scotia so like I got to see mm-hmm. stuff that like wow at, at 25 years old like yeah just ridiculously fortunate blessed to to have had that opportunity so Super
0: cool yeah.
4: that was a really cool experience and then the uh the downturn of 2016 came along pretty heavily and uh, I found myself not on a project and when you're not billable in that space there's not a long not a lot of long uh, rope to give so uh found myself looking for a new gig and I Wandered through another another opportunity for a little while working at a gasket manufacturer here in Houston and uh, learned a little bit about like continuous improvement and lean manufacturing, stuff like that. And then I found my way to a Flex Steel Pipeline. Um, they were, or they are, they actually recently just got acquired, but they're a really big uh, pipeline company upstream. But they're, the novelty there is they have uh, polyethylene HDPE pipe. It's wrapped in steel, and then it's wrapped in polyethylene again. So you can do really long runs, like thousands of feet of four inch, up to eight inch, two, four, two, three, four, six, and eight is what they offered. Um, but you can go up to three thousand psi. So upstream, it's it's a very suitable product. It's plastic, so it doesn't have the corrosion issues that steel pipeline has, and you don't have to weld it every forty feet. 20 mm. feet or whatever. So you can, you can bring a well online, provided all the other infrastructure is there. You can bring a well online a heck of a lot quicker using this rather than traditional construction methods. So that takes me all the way through up to, or up to Luxor. And so now I go back a little bit to find my way into Bitcoin. So early 21, when, when all the, the stimulus checks were going out, I started kind of like looking at stuff and that kind of commingled with uh, a press release that Microsoft did. They had like these subsea data centers that they were
2: just releasing results on. I remember that. They were testing. Yeah, exactly. uh, Cooling. Somehow Mm, it came
4: across a news feed or something like that. I click on the link and start reading about it. And like at FMC, it's all subsea, right? So like they've got control modules that have uh, hydroelectric controls and everything. So like they're controlling wellbores this big at 10,000 feet subsea with A click of a button right so like so
0: crazy yeah
4: they're sending electrons down (laughs) subsea they're they're doing all this stuff so like i that kind of piqued my interest i'm like is that something i could get into because what they were saying is like basically when you're at depth subsea the ambient temperature is like 40 degrees fahrenheit just all the time always yeah so like cooling is not a problem and then um To send electronics down there, you have to have them in like an oxygen-free environment. So like nitrogen, and some of them actually just submerge everything in a dielectric. That also increases longevity. So you get, they, they were talking, I think like 40% extension on longevity of their data centers down there. It's like, that's really fascinating. I started looking at that and I was like, what could you do with that? I was like, could you do like defense stuff? You want like a, a server that no one knows about, let's go put it under the freaking ocean. Like. yeah. So I looked at that and like, okay, well, that's defense, but how else could you monetize this? Like if your only market is is defense servers, okay, that that's interesting. Limits you a little bit. Yeah, so I started looking at, well, could you like mine Bitcoin down there? Because I'd, I'd only scratched the surface, right? Like I heard about it when I was in college, but like I was a mechanical engineer. Like I was nerding out about other stuff. I didn't really <laughs> care about finance or anything like that. Like I'd heard about it, I'm like that's interesting. And then like six years later, I I told the wife, I'm like, hey, you should like, a thousand dollars into bitcoin this was like 2015 and she's Mm -hmm. like okay and then she forgot or like she was risk averse and didn't really want to do it so that sent me down the rabbit hole uh, as far as like investigating bitcoin understanding mining and some of the concepts there i'm like what is sha-256 oh it's an algorithm that encrypts and yeah so i started looking into that and then uh just kept educating myself Mm -hmm. learning and then Shortly thereafter, I started going to the Houston meetup. So, like, big yeah. shout out to Parker and Dave for, for that event. Mm-hmm. That is an awesome, fantastic group of people that just it always puts it yeah, out. It's, it's
2: just, brought the Bitcoin community together in Houston. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah without
0: yeah. a doubt. Without a doubt. It was it. And honestly, I've been to a few of them around, I want to say around the country. I've been out to Tennessee and uh, up Oklahoma, and I've seen you know, the I haven't been to the Midland one yet. I'm going in April, but. Uh, the Houston one is as good as anything out there, honestly. Maybe even better than all of Well, them. it's because
1: we have all the energy guys, too.
0: Yep. Right. And we have f- right. fajitas by Landers. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah.
2: Are yeah. You can't beat
4: that. So. They really are solid. And That's where we go. met Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Like you, Mario, Griffin, mm-hmm. Giddy, like all the guys who've been on the podcast yeah. and stuff, but like it's just an awesome community and like everyone's super friendly, welcoming. So, like, I just started doing that. And like, I remember my first, my first, uh, meetup was the the october i know it was october because it was uh, the world series mm. and they had to move the the event so that people would actually show up and i showed up the night before actually if i remember correctly mm. so <laughs> uh yeah just kept educating myself went down the the altcoin i'll
0: be polite here the altcoin route for a little bit everybody does yeah i i no we, shame. we need to be honest yeah. about it you yeah. know what i mean everybody goes down that path at some point i did too yeah. it's like that time in college
1: you just want to experiment
0: a little yeah. bit you know I mean? <laughs> well when yeah, you, you don't know, everything, you know?
4: <laughs> when you don't know what you don't know you know yeah. like yeah, yeah you, you, you got to get burnt eventually yeah, like, yeah. so like I, I did well like I I paid attention to some like market schematics from like the ni- early 1900s they were like hey this is accumulation this is distribution if you follow these things and you see these patterns like it's going down from here it's going up from there so like I actually did pretty well in, in November of 21 catching the top there not I mean like I I wasn't confident enough to like just go all in and like yeah. short but like I I did pretty well for 21 um and then I was like I really want to get into this space because the mechanical engineer in me is like always looking at like mechanical systems, power generation and stuff like that and if you tell me there's a way that like you could come up with a novel power generation concept and then have like automatic investment with it with bitcoin mining like that's just really fascinating because like most of any kind of business or development or innovation like it's starved for investment early on so now you've got this Cash flow right there. All you have to do is plug it in. If your if your device works and it generates power, you've got this. So like I've had a few th- few ideas, novel ideas on power generation that I'd love to try someday. I think we even talked about, yeah, some, of stuff. Talk
0: about some of that stuff. So um, yeah. That's what's funny too about this space to me is that a lot of the people that have knocks on Bitcoin or mining do not come from a background like you or you. And it's from people that really just don't have any concept of what goes into some of the mechanical engineering side of things and like power generation, how those things play together and what's needed to actually get energy to, you know, commercialize it and get it to a market. They don't have come from a background that like, and I'm not sure, if you, I'm sure there are some out there, but they don't have backgrounds that I would value their opinions on. You know what I mean? Yep. It's yeah. more of a ideal type yeah. of position that they have rather than a position that's based on experience, knowledge, education, or anything like that. And it's funny because most of the people that are in it do come from the, those kind of backgrounds. And to me, that's like, well, that should be a really big indication that we should probably listen to the people that are educated, have experience in it, and come from these type of backgrounds to determine whether or not this is a valuable, you know, resource or industry for yep. like power generation, grid infrastructure stability, things like that. So it's just funny because as you guys were talking, there's so many people in the space that are from like Texas or the South, and and then also out west like Silicon Valley tech types. Yep, there's it seems like there's not a ton of guys, and I'm sure there are. There's a lot of Bitcoin people everywhere, but like yeah. the people, and granted we are in Texas, so you're gonna automatically run into more people from the south. But it feels like even when I go other places, most of the people that are working in the mining space, Silicon Valley folks, or kind of oil and gas guys. And yep. it's weird that, that, that this is an industry where you're bringing those two together because they're so far apart on so many different areas. But this is one where it's like you're bringing that technology and the energy kind of backgrounds together and looking for ways to kind of j- change, the, change the whole system that we got. And yep. uh, it's, it's cool. Cool.
2: The One of the biggest things, realizations, when I started my engineering career is exactly that. People don't know how this stuff works. And I'm talking just basic fiber optic infrastructure. How does your internet, how does the internet work? Nobody I mean, knows.
0: Nobody knows that. They don't know how Visa <laughs> works. They don't know how any of this stuff works. But then this is the one thing they're always asking questions about. Well, I don't even understand Bitcoin or mining or how it works. You don't understand how any of this stuff works, but you just blindly follow it. You understand how a microwave
1: works? You understand
0: how a telephone works? I just figured that out. (laughs) Wi-Fi? Yeah. 5G? I don't know how any of that works.
2: It's all black magic. Nobody really understands. Yeah. When I tell people, when I got into fiber and started really digging into the infrastructure of it, when I figured out that our internet is connected through a series of subsea cables that connect continents... (laughs) <laughs> we're talking massive fiber cables rolled through the bottom of the ocean, connecting continents together. Colin,
0: that's the first time I've ever heard that in my life. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. See, didn't yeah, know that. exactly. Uh, and yeah. and no that's idea. the
2: internet. That's what the network is. People think you know, it's all up in the air. No, the actual internet network is uh-huh. is hardwired, and mm. it's through cables. On, it's crazy that is. Yeah, like, there's it's just we're walking
1: thousands and thousands of miles <laughs> of just cables on the ocean floor I no connecting. And, it.
4: And the fact that it's fiber versus copper, like there's another layer of nuance. Not only is it thousands of miles, they're literally just blinking a light really fast.
2: Yeah, right. that's, fiber that, optics. That's what yeah. fiber is. Yeah. At its core is that's a very crazy. tiny, small piece of glass that's that, that, that transmits it. data.
1: They just blink a light. We're converting
2: data into a light, flash it through a light. It ends
1: up at the other end of the cable. Millions of times. It's so hard for me to wrap my head around like how a record player works. And then (laughs) you go to to a cassette and you're like, what? (laughs) What? And then you go to a CD and you're like, this still doesn't make any sense. (laughs) And then now it's just like all MP3s. It's like, what?
4: Well, and this is a a hilarious parallel as well. Like how many people understand what it takes to get oil and gas out of the ground to a refinery into their car such that they can even drive, right? Right. that right. intersection is of of Bitcoin and energy and then like knowledge mm-hmm. and understanding is just, But yeah,
0: That whole, the whole FUD is based on like, oh, you know, a lot of it anyway is yep. used because we don't have this understanding of things. But it's like, man, we don't have an understanding of hardly anything. No. I was listening to, you know, some stupid Instagram Reels video or whatever. And um I saw it the other day and th- this is I mean, maybe a tinfoil hat type of deal, but uh, which we still need to get some <laughs> That's of That's us. a whole, we 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 need the half, whole segment. Like, yeah, uh, I know. We put we them on. Put them on. But, um, you know, he was talking about kind of the chain, like what we don't understand today and mm. how fragile we actually are. That if there was some type of, you know, climate disaster, like true, like an asteroid coming mm. yeah. and just wiping things out, we all have flown on planes. We all know, like, you know, that that has happened. We couldn't build a plane, though. And so, like, we would lose so much technology if something like this happened. <laughs> yeah. Right? We, could we go restart the internet and get it going again? I think this would be a very complex yeah. thing that, like, would take a long time if we could ever do it again. Yep. And he was talking about, like, by the fifth generation, it would all be myths. Yep. You know what I mean? It yeah. would all be a myth. And yeah. Like, oh, we would tell people, our kids about it, and then they tell their kids about it. But like by that fifth generation, like, yeah, our crazy freaking grandpa talking about, yeah, you know, they were flying around in these planes. And okay. Made of metal. Right, made of metal. That doesn't make any sense. And, but that is, that is like kind of how I think of like all this stuff. It's like, it's a remarkable where we're at, but man, it's, we don't understand anything. And, but yet that fact is what's used to kind of hold up with Bitcoin is and Bitcoin mining. Mm -hmm. That's a
2: really good point. Yeah. Maybe we need to inscribe all this wisdom on to, onto the blockchain through Ordinals. <laughs> Ooh,
0: hot topic. So that way well,
2: it will be cool passed math. down for generations for eternity.
0: That's actually funny that you brought that up. I, I've we still, read, have, we still haven't it. talked about Ordinals on right, the right, show. Right, Oh, right, man. Yeah, we'll get yeah. into it. All right, good. Because I've wondered. Oh, did I need to move that? My bad. I've I've wondered about like I've read a little bit about it. I yeah. haven't spent a ton of time and I'm not, you know, I'm not the biggest techie guy about it. I'm definitely on the energy side of the mining space. We're just a bunch of oil and gas? gas. Right, we're yeah. oil and gas guys. So, um, <laughs> but I do wanna I'd like to have a good explanation of of that and how that kind of fits into stuff and it'd help people too understand it. So
2: Absolutely. Sure. Well, I'll hand it over <laughs> yeah. to Matt here. I knew that was going he he's the uh ordinal up to speed on the ordinals here.
4: Okay, so I am by far not an expert on, on like Bitcoin core programming. I've listened to enough people who I think are, so I'll do my best here. So provide that disclaimer. This is an
1: impersonation of best. Here we go. <laughs>
4: so in a Bitcoin block, you've got two types of data. You've got transaction data and you've got what's called witness data. The transaction data is effectively... Address A sends X Bitcoin to address B, right? So like that's essential to have that data stored forever because that's how you know who has what and whether or not you're getting a double spend, someone's trying trying to defraud you, right? On the other side, you've got what's called witness data. So there was a a change to Bitcoin, uh, I believe in 2017 or 2018 called SegWit, where they segregated the witness data from the transaction data that used to be stored together. And it used to be you could only use one megabyte's worth of data for a block. And that's one of the arguments that like Ethereum guys talk about. So like I know this the the audience for the podcast here is like pretty diverse here. So I'll talk about that a little bit. But um, basically you have small blocks on Bitcoin for a very specific reason. And that's because it's intended to be decentralized money if you have a whole bunch of data required to run a node, meaning you have to download all these transactions and all of this crap, it means that your, your nodes are gonna be concentrated into people who can only afford a data center, as opposed to like, I'm running Bitcoin at my house on a Raspberry Pi with a two terabyte hard drive. Yeah, Anyone could go run a Bitcoin node. Right. That's like your <coughs> branch at the bank. So we'll dial this back to the, the, the wit- transaction and the witness data, right? Back in 2021, there was another update to Bitcoin called Taproot, where they added some scripting capabilities. And what that did was it said, let me go back to Segwit. So Segwit, segregate the witness data from the transactions. And it also made it to where you could put more stuff in the witness data. You can add code to the witness data that actually enables the transaction. So like if you want some kind of uh, well, multi-sig, like if you want mm. multiple signatures to unlock Bitcoin, that's, that was enabled by SegWit. So it's really important to some of the development that makes Bitcoin usable money for payments and stuff like that. So Taproot comes up with a discount is what it's called. Basically, you've got three megabytes. Well, no, it's not three. It's, it could be up to like 3.9. But you've got the transaction data that says address to address how much. You've got the witness data. You can have a four megabyte block. So you can't put more than four megabytes in the block. You can only have one megabyte of transaction data. Well, now the block can be three, uh, four megabytes. So if you have all this data in the witness, you've got a whole bunch of extra space.
3: Mm.
4: What that has allowed people to do is to add a whole bunch of data that has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with transactions.
0: Right. Yeah. So they can put, what are they putting in there?
4: That's where the, that's where the ordinals yes. are, right? They that's that's yes. what the ordinal is. And the ordinal part of it is what makes it transmittable and unique. The inscription is actually just putting the data in there. Like, so there's this other part of it that requires that you track every Satoshi and there's a uh, hundred million Satoshis mm-hmm. in one Bitcoin. So they track every single one and that's how you transmit it. But ultimately it's like writing, doing art on a dollar and you can pass it off, right? Like that's what it, it's a physical thing that you can pass along. That's why it's an ordinal, because that's counting the Satoshis. The inscription is where you actually do the art. So they're putting JPEGs, audio files. They're putting a video game. Did you play Doom? I, I mean, I played it some back in the day. Obviously. Yeah, you did yeah. it, yeah, right? I mean,
0: I was, I'm, I'm old, so yeah, <laughs> definitely.
4: So any anything that's represented on a computer can be stored mm. as data in some way. So they can encrypt yeah. the data. Yep. And they shove it into the block
0: now. So what are they using it for mostly now? Like what, what what, are most people putting there? Just obscure nothings or the anything of value from an information standpoint? Like, So there's some interesting use cases, but most of it is the NFT crowd. Mm-hmm. Like
4: yep. they're Ethereum people who have come over and they're running a full Bitcoin node now. Because, because they,
0: can, they can. They're like,
3: oh,
4: this is novel. Bitcoin needed this. They mm-hmm. needed Like, I heard someone literally say Bitcoin needed ordinals. I'm like,
0: hmm.
4: Like, in a, like, no joke. So, like, I was like, I don't know about that. But either way, there's people flocking to Bitcoin to do this because of the NFT craze. Right. I I think that's
1: probably a semantics. So, they're creating NFTs as ordinals? Well, they're sending them, right? They're basically sending sending
4: them. them. So, it's a non-fungible token, meaning there's this one. It can't be used interchangeably. Once you've put this data with this Satoshi, that mm-hmm. satoshi now has that inscription associated with it right so like again think of it as like if someone does a draws the mona lisa on a, a dollar and yeah. hands it that dollar is no longer ever going to look like another dollar so it's non-fungible right. um so it can fetch a different price um so yeah they're putting jpegs they're putting all kinds of weird files on the blockchain in the block
0: basically though th- because you can't ever like it's it's identifiable then right yes. it's it's a one of a kind at that point so that's the nft aspect of yep. it um but i guess i'm trying to think the ethereum crowd say that they're using it now and they're like oh it needed this it's probably good for adoption standpoint from bitcoin because it's like removes a lot of the argument about like well ethereum you can do this use and you can do case. that yeah yeah i'm like yeah. what's the use case like well you can use all this. You can use it for all the stupid shit you want to. Yeah, so you know I mean? I've
1: heard that it makes. Okay, so help me fill in this gap here. Yep. So I, now I now I have a little bit better understanding. and I still kind of feel retarded on the subject, but <laughs> no,
0: I, I do. Too, it, don't worry, it's easy.
1: Well, <laughs> From what I've heard, it, it also is not easy. Man. No, no it's, <laughs> no, it's easy to feel that oh, way right. on this yeah. subject because yeah. it's like. Man, I've I'm heard, I've heard that, that more, it can potentially make mining more profitable. Help, yeah, me, right, help yeah. me fill in the gaps here. Yeah. So yeah, miners love it.
0: Great question, too. Yeah. So I don't understand that. So here we go. Okay. Right. So um, here's a rabbit hole. <laughs> for every.
4: Yeah, <laughs> anytime you want to post a transaction in Bitcoin, you, you associate a fee with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like most wallets take care of it for you. They monitor the current, it's called the mempool. Are you familiar with mempool? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mempool is a place on servers is distributed, that if you wanna post a transaction to the Bitcoin blockchain, you put your authorized transaction in the mempool. So it's just a, a list of okay. transactions that yeah. are waiting to be confirmed in the blockchain. Gotcha. You associate a fee with it. Most wallets monitor the mempool to see what are the, what's the current market fee rate. Like the gas rate. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So what this does is when you have more transactions, cause you've got people who want to put, an inscription in it like you actually have to post okay you increase a huge influx of transactions into the mempool well if you put the lowest satoshi value uh fee you're not gonna get touched you might not get touched for a day I i think i heard very recently the mempool cleared out like it had gone that there was like multiple days worth of blocks of transactions in the mempool
1: right, mm. waiting right yeah that, I
0: did see that so yeah. that okay that makes sense well, so when there's much
1: lower transactions like right. mint pools there's no queue anymore
0: yeah so miners are getting paid off transactions transaction fees well. yeah getting paid off gas right yeah right yeah, yeah yeah it's 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 part of the incentive to
1: Bitcoin
4: because every it's 210,000 blocks which generally equates to about four years um, every four years the block there's two parts of the block reward there's the fees that people pay to use the network and then there's the the subsidy the block or the the, the, the coins, block reward yeah, yeah the, the coin base that's, that's the channel yeah.
2: which is how new bitcoin is being issued through the network yep. right it's how bitcoin's being distributed is through the block rewards that the miners are buying so any of that bitcoin that comes from those block rewards is gifted straight from the bitcoin network fresh virgin coin is what they call it mm. yeah yeah so mm. that gets <laughs> <cut now>. yeah <laughs> ooh like that one <laughs>
4: Uh, so that that block reward is going to get cut in half in 2024ish um, so ultimately the idea is that the fees are going to be the sustenance for miners it's going to be the right. financial incentive for miners in 5 10 20 years because of the block reward so like right now it's 6.25 bitcoin every block in 24 it's 3.125 after that is why I don't feel like doing the math 1. further yeah and
0: yeah. that's where everybody's kind of like well you need price appreciation you do but you also need, well, eventually you're going to, that's the only thing you'll have. Mm-hmm. Now this is, we'll all be done and gone, 40. but, yep. but yeah, by 2140, virtually you have no block rewards anymore. It's yep. all transaction fees. So it's an adoption deal yep. basically is that yep. you're going to have more transactions on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain with ordinals and things like yep. that. So you're going to drive up the gas rate, which will increase the profitability for miners. That make that's the best explanation I've. Her. He's the man. Good That's, job. Right? That's
2: why we got him here. Yes.
0: <laughs> I knew there was a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think. Luxor needs multi-year contracts for you guys. I'll That's take it. Made. Well, we'll I'll run it up to, to can the you boss do the man. Terms for me, yes. <laughs> yes. We're good. Martin Legal. We we can do everything. So, yes, absolutely. Um, that is great, though. That's literally now I feel like I understand way more about that. Cause I, I spent a little bit of time reading about it, and I'm like. And I had seen people are like using it for NFT stuff. I'm like, I don't get it, but that makes it a lot more sense. And that's that what I love
2: about sense. this space is the continued creativity right. and ingenuity that happens. We're dealing with, you know, Bitcoin it has a software aspect to it. People need to maintain the software, you know, so yeah. you get cool things that come out of it.
3: like Yeah,
0: this. because a lot of the knock on Bitcoin, too, from like the uh, developer side sometimes um that i hear anyway is like oh you know it's not a great technology there's so much better technology mm-hmm. out there than you know there's better better it's slow yeah, yeah it's slow but i think what like the average person doesn't understand is that there's developers around the world that work on the bitcoin kind of protocol or blockchain or however you want to describe it daily and they're coming up with new like lightning all the different ways mm-hmm. that they continue to build on it and it that's the beauty of it is that it is decentralized and that's yep. not only good for bitcoin from a like a monetary value standpoint because you don't have anybody going right. in and being able to control but it also allows the freedom for some of the smartest people and developers around the world to do what they want on here and yep. come up with protocols and and new things that are going to benefit it and if it's good then everybody's going to start using it that way and so i i think it's it's like in ingenuity type of I mean haven it's yep. incredible oh, yeah oh it for people to want to come. and we're in.
2: still so early now oh man so so yeah.
0: freaking early going back to the internet I didn't know this still very long ago I think the first email like do you know when the first email was sent
2: the almost the entire idea of the internet was almost completely abandoned because people did not like the idea back then they were called personal computer yeah. personal computers meaning for me you put your personal data on there when people started saying, Hey, plug your net plug your computer into the network and with all these other computers, they said, No way. What do you mean? This is my personal computer. So yeah, it was almost completely abandoned. But when was it, it? Was,
0: it was like 68, 1968. Yep. Yeah. I and, figured it was 70s, but right, I believe right. it. And I think the mouse was even around like in the early sixties. And it, it, like it took a long time for people to get accustomed to This new way of communicating. And like literally when I was in high school, I'm old. I mean, like we were not really using computers a whole lot. Like we had the internet, but like. We didn't do. You were
1: still horse and buggy back I know,
0: then. Man. <laughs> Honestly, our school did have a day where you ride a horse to school. That like, is what? sweet. People would ride a horse to school or drive a tractor. For
1: school. Missouri man, yeah. that's cool.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was old school, man. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. I drove a Geo Tracker though, at the time. I, no I, shit, I did. I did a did buddy change. of mine had one of those. Yeah, man, it was bad. We yeah. we drive around and take the top off and like <laughs> there was this restaurant called Green Goes. It was like a it was like a cheap version of Taco Bell. Oh yeah, which is like a that's like an oxymoron. Yeah, almost, you know? <laughs> it's already cheap. Yeah, it's, so, it's terrifying. Actually, but, <laughs> I twenty five cent burritos. We'd go get four burritos for a dollar, and we'd use them almost like water balloons. We'd <laughs> people be in the back. I, I Luckily, I grew up in a really small town where all the cops knew who my dad was, and if I got in trouble, they'd just tell my dad instead of like give me some type of criminal yeah. record. So, uh, but we used to like. People to wait in the back, and as soon as the gr- light would turn green, I'd take off, and they start throwing burritos at people, in the, in the car's next to us. Bad idea. I don't recommend it. Too you, no, you bad, bad you'd a GeoTracker
1: for the Calpin thing with Bloomberg. The I know. Skinny jeans know. and a GeoTracker? <laughs> you did you'd never just, live that down. I never
0: would have lived that down. Never would have lived that down. That would have been excellent, though. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been. I'll, <laughs> I'll settle for the uh, skinny jeans, even though they weren't. But, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. They weren't
4: exactly like Jenko jeans.
0: They weren't. They weren't Jenko jeans, but they were not skinny jeans, Matt. Okay. Yeah. They were straight leg. They're just, you know. You just tapered, you know? Kind of tapered a little bit.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're an athletic specimen like Justin. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. I mean, your calves do what they do, man. Yeah. <laughs> man, I got bird legs. So. <laughs> I, I skip leg day all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> my bad all right all we'll good. go back to it but um but yeah so you mentioned earlier about the sales and they're still 11 million dollars this year is most of that from the auction site and i would like you guys talk it, about kind of what the sure. platforms that luxor offers but um is most of that new sales or is that used machines because there are already a shit ton of machines coming to market right now you're
2: right um actually most of that revenue generated was through new machine sales really yeah so um Luxor really has done a great job as positioning himself um, as somebody that interacts in the secondary market. All the institutional players see that and recognize that. So they've started coming to us and say, hey, guys, I've got 1600 machines. I need to liquidate next week. Luxor, do your thing. So that's exactly what we do. We step into that process. We evaluate the machines, in this case, maybe used machines. We go through a due diligence process where we're checking out hash reports, efficiency, power consumption, all the things you need to know that the ASIC is running, operationally. You
1: guys are Kelly Blue in this thing, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's it, man. Y- y'all kids don't know about Kelly Blue Book. That was the, <laughs> that was the Bible back in the day when you yeah, had well, Oh, yeah.
2: And so once we have that information, we feel comfortable with the machines, we'll take it to our, our buyers, our clients. And uh, Luxor has a vast universe of of buyers and that's what um, sets us apart so we're able to take these um, machines onto the secondary market in a very professional manner and get them sold um this kind of segues into exactly what the new platform or rfq platform is doing it stands for request for quote and uh, basically it's it's an online marketplace that we've opened up to any public buyers that has our verified vendors on the other side of it. So Justin, Mr. Miner, I need 10 S19J Pros, 100 terahash. You can go on to the RFQ, post your willing to buy, your want to buy there. I need 10 J Pros, 100 t- t- terahash. And then all of our vendors will come in there and compete for that business. They'll place, here's my offer. I can fill your order. This is where they're shipping from. Here's the condition and the warranty. And right there, you're able to interact um, directly with the vendor. And
0: what kind of response time is there on? Is this like live like chat or is this? It's live, man. Is it? So I like, mean,
2: we've seen it, it. As soon as somebody posts, posts a, a want to buy on there, we've seen vendors come in. Sometimes it does take a little bit of time. Is this
1: more like a Is it like a forum? And does it look like a marketplace? It's what a marketplace okay. online.
2: Yeah. RFQ.luxer.tech. And it, it's an online marketplace, exactly that. And um, so that's the that's it benefits both the buyer is is making sure that they're getting a competitive price because you'll see multiple vendors comp- competing for that business. So it, it uh, provides that mechanism of price discovery. That's what you want in this business everybody wants the 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 good deal so is it going to like an
1: auction or is it like is it silent like how, how are how are they you got three people who are interested in 1500 miners how does this process go sure so like i said uh
2: you can post two different kinds of of options on the rfq so you can post a want to buy or a want to sell so if you're wanting to buy you post what you what machines you want and then that it has an expiration date and the buyer actually gets to pick that three, five or seven days. I want my post up there for three days. I'm trying to close it quick, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that tells the vendors that, Hey, you need to get in here and start responding. So that, that uh, opening date and expiration date is all de- displayed there on the marketplace. And so those vendors will step in and they know they have a certain amount of time to get their offers in. Um, same thing on the willing to sell side. So when, uh, when I want to, I have miners new in the box that I have here in the U.S. Um, I want to sell them. I'll post it up there and I'll leave it up for seven days. This gives the opportunity for buyers to come in and say, "Wow, this looks like a good
1: batch." Here's my offer. And are the offers public? so everybody see them?
2: Yes. Okay. So the, there's uh, you have uh, you're anonymous on the platform. Like it's not going to tell you X Y Z vendor is filling your order, right? Or the buyer or anything. So that does uh, it drives the competitiveness there.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. that is do they get an like alert the potential vendors that they get like an alert? Oh, yeah. On so everybody, live basis, when everybody
2: that we've onboarded. Um, mm-hmm. So we have an RFQ email system that will uh, alert you, hey, a new buyer has posted a, wa- a want to buy. Yeah. Let's go check it out. We also have a really cool telegram chat that um, as soon as anything's posted or closed, um, it'll pop up on the Telegram alert.
0: Do they have to pay for the service, the vendors? Or how is what's the relationship work? Like how,
2: well, how do you guys make money? Yeah, yeah, do get, how do you guys monetize <laughs> it? Yeah. Right. Exactly. So what we wanted to do is something a little bit different here. We wanted to do a transparent kind of mm-hmm. fee structure. And that's what we've done. Different than uh, traditional brokering deals where it's like the markups right. vary from deal to deal. Here, we you know, we have a threshold and we have a tier fee structure. So once you're, um, and it, the fee is attached to the liquidity taker. So if I'm the buyer and I'm get, you know, getting the good deal, you're gonna be purchasing and taking the liquidity there. So you, the buyer is responsible for, mm-hmm. for, for the fee. Um, depending on the dollar size, it can, raise, it can range anywhere from $1, uh, I'm sorry, 1% up to a 7.5% fee. And uh, 7.5% is the highest we go. That's typically for more small scale stuff. Any of these bulk deals, you know, you're going to get to those dollar thresholds where it really bumps your fee down because we need to remain competitive. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're here to get deals done and sell Mm -hmm. miners. That's what we do. So, um, yeah, that's how it works.
0: See, this is what's cool, too. This is another sign of how early I think we are in the whole space. Lisa talked about on the last one where she mentioned like this is like man discovering fire type of, yes. moment of Bitcoin um, you see it in the industry too, with all the different things that constantly are popping up and the new like like this type of service and there's so many other areas where there needs to be growth and an industry developed to serve a certain need that that the mining industry has, and we're getting to see that happen and because we're all in it you know but so many people out there don't even realize what's going on and they're missing out on being able to get into an industry early on where not only is it going to benefit you down the road through just being involved in bitcoin at this early stage and where it's still real cheap and down the road is going to be obviously tremendously higher in in all of our opinions Um, but you're getting to see like entrepreneur type moves from so many different people that are like They're going to be the people in the future and the companies in the future that have established themselves as like leaders and, and, and and frankly, just make a ton of money because they got into the space at the right time and saw different ways to start capitalizing on like areas that the industry is missing out on. Luxor, honestly, I'm not trying to kiss anybody's butt, but Luxor has done probably as good a job as anybody I've seen in the space. Coming up with new ways to serve the space and new ways to address needs. So, I'm I'm a big fan of everything you guys have done over there. And you know, I've known Ethan now for a while. He was one of the first people I got to know a little bit in the space when I got going. So, um, yeah, I got I got nothing but good things to say. You about guys watching. aren't owned by anybody, right? Not, oh no, we yeah. have, I mean, we have investors. They and looked, stuff. yeah, we're yeah, like, they, they like really there's no, you well, right there. did you see them look at each other? Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, what is uh, There's no saying, like
1: FTX behind the scene that i like, <laughs> oh, no, you guys, is no, what I'm no, saying. Okay.
0: No, no. I thought SBF drove you over here. <laughs> oh, no. I saw him, I saw him in the car. Yeah. Yeah. He found a way to get his
2: ankle bracelet <laughs> off. <on>.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's really great. And, and I, I've been extremely inspired since I started at Luxor, working with these guys, product after product. They're pushing the stuff out. They know where um, to service this industry. And that's what you see with the, the RFQ platform. <clears throat> Excuse me. People have been buying and selling ASICs over Telegram since, oh, yeah. since Bitcoin mining started. Okay? Since the beginning
0: of time. Yeah. Well, remember, people are getting
2: scammed yeah, and robbed. And it's, it's terrible. It's so so we, with the RFQ, that's what this provides, you know. Both parties are facing Luxor, as, and Luxor is your central counterparty. You get the brand name. You get us, the real people. We make sure that your deal is going to go smoothly. We make sure your miners are going to show up when they're going to show up. You know? It's like a safety so, type
0: yeah, of and deal, And that's too, what yeah. you
2: need in this industry. I yeah, mean, rep, because, reputableness. Uh, honestly, exactly.
0: big time from talking with a lot of oil and gas companies over the last like, three years about mining and trying to get them into it, that is – the biggest area, especially when you start talking about largest, larger scale groups that are like you know, talking about some real dollars and they've got to take it to their investment committee and they've got to go to the board and show them what they're wanting to do. And it's like, yeah, I'm buying it from this group in China or, you know, some random little group that like there's no counter and their contracts are terrible and they they look horrible and it's like, oh man, I gotta wire you all the half the money up front and send it in Bitcoin. Hope that yeah, this is it's really sketchy sounding to a group that is a traditional type of you know institution and they don't wanna do it. So like having groups like you guys, and I know foundry's your competitor, Mm -hmm. but like (laughs) you guys, foundry, big guys that you can look at and say okay that provides a, a level of security for me to make my investment they have some counterparty risk mitigation yep. and um that just gives them a level of comfort that they don't normally have so it's is it, that's a big deal it's Sock a really big deal SOC two
4: compliant on, right. the, on the pool side not yeah. not everything is under that umbrella but definitely mm-hmm. SOC two compliant. so, so you guys
1: so you, have, you have the pool yep you've got this rfq platform on the on the asic side what are what the parts of the business is there for lesser
4: I'm going to throw uh, the derivatives team a Bone here because that's one of the more novel Ooh, ones. It's yeah. new. Um, derivatives, right? So, like, if you want to hash power, you can get a contract. If you want to hash Bitcoin, you can get a contract. Up until October, it was really hard to try and... Am I hedge. saying hash? You I'm trying hedge, to say hedge. Hedge, hedge, hedge. <laughs> got hash on the brain. Yeah, it's okay. Well, I was like, free. am I retarded? Do I know what he's talking about or not? What well, you, so you want ha- well, to you you hash? are you to hash all those yeah. words? <laughs> I mean if you want to hedge those things, you can get a contract, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But one of the things that you couldn't hedge was the compute power or the hash rate. So what we introduced in October was hash rate derivatives. It's a non-deliverable forward contract, meaning that you don't actually have to deliver hash rate to participate in this exchange. But if let's say you're a hosting provider or you're bringing a, a facility online and you've got debts to pay at a certain point, your terms start at this time. You can engage in a contract for up one, two or three months. And you say based on this hash price, meaning the amount of dollars that you would receive for a certain amount of hash rate, right, which is the compute power that the miners generate for that. You get a certain amount of fixed income, so you get it for that term and we do an auction every month. Um, We just wrapped up, I
1: believe. Yeah, Yeah. we just wrapped up because it's just like a once a month auction. Yep. And
4: so we can we can work with you on uh, terms. So there's all kinds of interesting elements there. We just released our uh, Bitcoin denominated derivatives. So like if you've got obligations to pay in Bitcoin, you could actually hedge your hash rate in Bitcoin and get paid out in Bitcoin rather than U.S. dollars. Okay. Yeah. So it's CFTC uh, regulated. So it is all above board. It's all uh, as institutional as it gets now. Uh, ben Harper and uh, Matt Williams are our derivatives guys, so I'll leave it to them to answer the the really tough questions because mechanical engineer, I don't do the finance that <laughs> stuff, stuff that much. But um, that's one of our new products that's really interesting that I've kind of been looking at from a distance. But um, yeah, the other one that I'm involved with is firmware. Um, that's a market that's been. Developing for the past three years, four years. I mean, like, obviously, there's firmware on every miner out there, every machine. And just to explain it, like, every miner, every ASIC is actually just like a little Linux computer with very specific peripherals. I don't know if anyone, when did you take your last computer class in elementary school oh or whatever? Gosh. Not elementary school. <laughs> That's like high That's school. That's fair. Okay. Jeez. Um, well, peripheral is just yeah. like your printer and technically your monitor is a peripheral and a computer, Keyboard, right? Keyboard, mouse. Well, the, the boards that do the hashing are just peripherals to this little Linux computer. So it's a little Linux computer that can run a Linux operating system. Well, we develop an aftermarket firmware now that <clears throat> gives you more control and ultimately better performance out of your machines because what I've learned very quickly, and that's why I, I joined the, the the company around the same time that Colin did, is it's like, you look at it an ASIC, like, oh, that's a 100 terahash machine. It's like, that's a 100 terahash machine if it's, let's say, uh, 60 degrees outside and there's no sand blown through your filters in your yeah. in your uh, intake. And there's a lot of things that factor into that, right? What the performance of a of a miner really depends on very heavily is temperature. Like, if you're not regulating temperature properly, your machines are not running optimally. So, like, I was kicking around different ideas with my dad, like, how do I come up with the analogy? But it's basically like if you imagine you have a sports car with like a terrible computer system in it, like it's not going to drive very it's well. It's not tuned well. Right. Yeah. So what our firmware allows you to do <clears throat> is to tune it to your, your use case because you could be in a bear market. You've, you're, you're struggling with OPEX. You need, to, you need to contract. You need to control costs. Yep. Well, now you can underclock. So like you're not chewing up as much power. Your OPEX is down. You might be able to squeeze through the bear market. Mm-hmm. You guys know as well as anyone in the oil space, cost control is everything yeah, when you're totally. in the downturn. Now imagine in 2024, I, I've got an awesome callback here. 2024, we talked about the having right? That means that your revenue literally just gets cut in half one day. Overnight. Overnight. That's it. That's bad. If it's your tough. cost control isn't on point, you're going to get crushed.
1: It's right. just going to... like. You have no choice. Who's making decline curves for oiling, for, for Bitcoin mining?
0: <laughs> it's I mean, it is tough. Um, but you you do have to, you know, you try to build in your model. It's a tough way to do is it. Is
1: anybody though. do it is anybody doing that on, on essentially the forecasting side? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah? I know they do
0: it. Okay. And what we did on ours was, you know, we build in a uh difficulty increase and I think we had it like one point two five, one point five percent every uh, adjustment period, uh, so mm-hmm. every two weeks. And then at the halving you literally just cut it in half and it sucks it's ugly Uh, ugly. all all the oil and gas guys out there know
1: know what we're talking about but like it if you're running an oil and gas company you have a reservoir it's a depleting asset uh over time particularly with horizontal wells the drop off from your initial production to where you're going to end one year two year three years out is massive um for old school vertical wells it's much less of a drop off but you have to be able to predict your production aka your revenue and it's constantly just kind of like going down, and then you have to extrapolate that out across all of your assets, so you can kind of predict and figure out: Are you drilling? Are you buying more stuff? And so, it's really very, very similar to what we're talking about here, except yeah. it's just much more of a yeah. an instant yeah. just chop in mm-hmm. half.
0: The adding into it, because like I feel like the difficulty rate adjustments are your decline curve, right? So you got yep. adjustment upwards every two weeks, so that is automatically bringing your production down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least the revenue you, gener- you generate from the same amount of production comes down. Um, then when you throw in the halving, it's just like, it'd be as if your well decline is normal. And then you have literally some type of mechanical event in your well bore that drops your production to half. And then you continue a decline curve. It sucks. It's yep. the it's most, most extreme version of a decline, decline curve in oil and gas. Yep. Like the worst, the worst situation <laughs> you can imagine. And it never yep. goes back up. Nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? So nope. it's tough. Yeah. And so. I'll, that's where the hedging comes into place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you don't hedge. You, I mean, that's something that's really
4: interesting. To just, I'm, I'm curious to see how we handle it. When we right. get closer is to see how hedging works there. <laughs> uh, I am too. I'm very curious to see how that works. How I'm, do you, you plan for that? That's a fantastic question <laughs> that, that I would throw over to Matt and to Ben. Because, like, I honestly well, don't know. Matt
0: and Ben, you guys got to come on. Yeah. They'll be ready. That's a big question we all want to know. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, but let me grab this, this uh, other analogy for, for oil and gas. is Firmware is enhanced recovery,
2: right?
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. If you want to overclock,
4: yeah. oil is at 150 a barrel.
1: Pump it yeah. up, man. Mm-hmm. I, see. Yep. Yeah. I
2: see.
1: So are you guys completely replacing the front-end software? Or is it more just like back-end tuning?
4: Oh, it's an overhaul. So like, you basically end up going into the firmware that's, that boots normally, and you say, stop that, and you load your firmware instead.
2: And this gives you control over your machine. And and, um, Paul with Verde Mining said this to me at the Midland meetup, and it stuck with me. You know, all these machines are manufactured in China. They come over here, they have tons of failures. We struggle with it all the time. Send that shit over here, let us make it better. We put our firmware on it. We can, you know, give you full control over your machine. This isn't some sketchy software that these guys wrote over there and we don't know what's doing. Because we have had these issues in the past with Bitmain and these large name guys having backdoor soft uh, softwares in their firmware. And maybe I didn't say that right, but yeah, there's a risk there. We take that away by giving you the control over your machine with our firmware.
4: This is the first firmware that's built in North America. Like the other aftermarket options are not built here.
2: Czech Republic or Russia. Right. Pick one. (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, so. these allegedly bitmain allegedly does that right? no they got busted like no <laughs> oh no no,
4: bitmain definitely was doing some sketchy stuff for a while like that that was public record. i'm just yeah. saying
0: uh, this is the paranoid lawyer in me yeah <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's I, I, all I, it is yeah, don't I sue us bitmain <laughs> <Yeah>. please <laughs> yeah.
4: um yeah so right now we only support bitmain machines um uh, mm all of the oil and gas guys I, i'll throw back to uh barber i know y'all, y'all had him on he he's hounded me a couple of times so when are we getting what's miner?
1: yeah <sighs> what's the difference
0: what's the difference your- uh, what's, what's miners yeah wa- through, through this much better okay yeah. than bitmain they're um, all chinese though right yep. yeah 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 okay. in fact i think there's a lot of overlap between ultimately the people who what who, f-
1: okay let's let's go through like what are like the top three manufacturers of asics in the world
0: I'll defer to you as sure. the
4: brokerage guy.
1: So um Bitmain okay. is yeah. the number one. Okay. Right behind
2: them, you have Micro BT, which makes the what's minor yep. models. Okay. Below that you have Canon, okay. um, which is much smaller. Um, they've always kind of been the trailing third, but they're really trying to crack into the retail market and Central America. One, because their machines are a lot cheaper, but there's uh, high rates of failure with those. So a little bit of background story and lore of these companies is bitmain uh you know they've always had the asic market cornered well they didn't have much com- competition in the beginning there was, there's been tons of small names that have popped up many people have tried to manufacture asics even here in the united states they've all failed because
1: why why do they why are they failing manufacturing
2: it
4: means their silicon is that good
1: Okay.
2: Oh, really? The silicone comes down to it. The chips is where you're sourcing your chips is a big, big part of it. These guys have a hold on that market, you know. Um, But one of the lead Bitcoin, uh, uh, sorry, Bitmain engineers actually left Bitmain and started uh, MicroBT, which created the What's Miner machines. Um, So there's always been a bit of rivalry there. Um, Justin alluded to it a little bit. What's minor machines have known to been more durable in, you know, these a- against the environment that they held up in the better, better heat, dust, these types of things. Everybody out in West Texas uh, that I've talked to is a what's, what's minor, minor. max, yeah. you know, okay. they, it can handle the wind and the, the dust. So that's great. But Bitmain stands out because of their hash rate and their efficiency. They make the most efficient machines on the market. Nobody can, I mean, we're we're now getting to a point where it's very competitive. The, I mean, going from in 2017, where the top, most badass top of the line machine was an S9, its hash rate was 13.5 terahashes per second. Fast forward to today, today we're seeing water-cooled ASICs come out that are 250 terahash per second. Is that the M53s? Yeah, the okay. M53s.
0: I, do you know anybody who's ran those yet?
2: Uh, not personally. Okay. Um, I've seen some, I, I'm <laughs> legend, dying- Legend has they exist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, dying like, to get my yeah. hands on, on some. Man. I like, want to
0: talk to somebody who's ran them. Like, yep, cause yep. they sound incredible. And I think they're 26 joules.
2: Yeah, something, 26 like, joules per terahash. And they come in a traditional server rack setting. Right. So you can take traditional data center equipment Load up your what's miners mm-hmm. in there. Have your uh, your heat exchanger and your cooling system on the back end of that, and boom, you got a uh, you know several hundred petahash of hashing power in a
0: small, a tiny small space. Spot. And it's that a game changer if it's legit. Like I, I just I don't know anybody yet. It you is legit. I mean? you can
1: theoretically decrease your footprint at the same efficiency.
0: That's yeah. another
2: yeah. huge thing. So the size of these operations. We don't need big forty-foot con- mm-hmm. containers anymore. No, you can do this in a small data—you know—server rack mm-hmm. is what it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, you're you're reducing your footprint there, and um, these manufacturers have made it very clear. There used to there used to be big talk about okay, what is the preferred cooling method? So you have three types of cooling options on the market right now. One is your traditional airflow. That's using the ambient temperature, the fans on the machine. To cool down the hashboards.
1: Yeah, old school Porsche 911
2: air cooled. Here we <laughs> go. Exactly. Cool. Next up, you got the hydro cooling. All and right. so, this, the manufacturers have put their foot down and really made it clear in the direction that they want to go. And you see that with both Bitmain and MicroBT by releasing all these hydro miners. Both Bitmain and MicroBT have. it's like the
1: actual miners themselves. This is not, we're not talking immersion here. We're talking like the this miners.
2: Is this yeah. is miners. Yeah. Little yeah. tubes that micro channels that go over each chip yeah it's just like just like a water cooled computer right when you build it at home it's called indirect cooling cool right so you just have your cooling plates set on top of the chips there indirect and then so now these guys have made it clear which route they're going so i think hydro cooling is really you know going to take off there's there's all the immersion head guys are going to hate me for this but that's
0: it's a reality, I think. I, yeah. I've heard I've heard
4: something to the contrary recently. I've heard someone suggest that basically the, the hydro cooling is just a, a a cyclic uh marketing ploy by the miners, basically. Because mm. like every time there's a new batch of people getting into Bitcoin mining, like, oh look at this hydro cooled. Mm-hmm. But like sustainably, like the amount of leak like as a mechanical engineer, the amount of leak points on a on a machine that's got tubes and stuff like right. that, like I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole, personally. So, the personally.
0: first S19s that came out that were hydros, I heard that was the biggest issue, was that people are changing hoses, like, on a one megawatt, they were averaging, like, 25 a week. Yeah, wow. Which is ridiculous, right? That's not serviceable. No, that's not. Um, but I heard those new M53s, this is going back, this is like a legend. This is all yeah. like the legend yeah. of the M53 now. Like, they, they are not having nearly the same problems, and the amount of water that they're using is almost, like, it's okay. very minuscule. I'd and love literally to see it. Taking distilled, like going by gallons of water, distilled yeah. water at the grocery store and you can go fill up, you know, a shit ton of these machines and you're not having to change water. Home it's just all. straight
1: up water. And you're not having to put in like radiator fluid. Water. Dude. It, it's cooler, probably like an it, antimicrobial or something. That you yeah, have to it add is to keep
2: from like growth and mm-hmm. stuff. Exactly. But, yeah. It's not like water from your tap. It's you know. That, and are
1: these like closed loops individually, or does it all tap into a larger system? Say you're running a thousand of these things. It, like it oh, taps dude, in. Like you have one big system that runs all of them.
4: Like each one would have its own routing, and then there's yeah. a system that's probably handling your Cycling like, filtration yeah. Of yeah. water yeah.
2: and your heat exchange. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, those are, and that and then you have immersion mining cooling, right? Yeah. These are the three. And that's a direct trip cooling where you actually submerge the entire ASIC in the, the mineral oil or dielectric fluid is what it really is. Yeah. So um, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen w- with these three methods. You talk to the, the OG guys and they're like, I'm great with the air cooling. I don't need this, you know. But when you talk about getting up to these super high efficiencies and High hash rates, like 250 terahash for one machine, you almost have to have these secondary cooling yeah. systems to keep up with that heat because it's just so much computing power. Also, when you look
4: at post having, like like I said, you have to manage. So if you can capitalize your cooling equipment now to be able to get more hash rate with less expense, now now's the time to do it because. Yeah.
0: I think too. This is kind of off topic, but not really, because I've wondered about this lately. The last bull market we saw, everybody was just trying to grab up new sites, right? You could have established miners, and but they want to go grab new sites and build out brand new projects and, you know, scale that way. Do you think that going forward, and this would actually kind of tie into like the secondary market for uh, ASICs, that we're going to see more of the groups that are like, look, I've I've got a great facility here that say I have you know 50 megawatts of capacity now I need to grow just like I'm sorry I bit my tongue right there so it sounded weird when I talk (laughs) but um I need to grow the best way to grow in the past at least what they thought was going and grabbing a new site and expanding that way I'm kind of wondering if the best use of your capital because you do have short cycles in mining space right they're very short cycles is to just continue upgrade your own equipment and take advantage of getting rid of you know older equipment during certain time frames and just bringing in newer, higher hashing machines to state your existing facility but increase your hash rate not trying to increase your megawatts that you have necessarily does that make sense you're yeah. you're
2: right on there and we're seeing exactly that you are okay it's okay. called you know system upgrades basically mm-hmm. i've had m20s running for, since 2021, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now these machines just aren't keeping up with the hash rate that I need. So they'll come to us and say, hey, Colin, take these to the secondary market, liquidate them. And the funny thing is there's a home for every miner, man. It's nuts. M20s may not make sense for us, but you send them down to Central America Mm -hmm. where power costs are two cent kilowatt hour. They make a lot of sense. So um, we're really seeing this migration of older generation machines heading down to Latin America and you know where electricity prices are a little higher here. These guys are selling off their old machines to get the new biggest, latest model. I think it's a X- better piece. use of capital.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. just do. I'm like, you, if you go buy a new site, you gotta go, you gotta put all the money into building the infrastructure. site out, infrastructure side, yep. it, uh, more personnel. It's like, why don't we just use our growth to increase our hash rate and not just trying to go grab more power. And if you've already done the work to get that PPA, right, if you've already got a relationship with your
4: provider, especially when you look at some of the, the flare gas stuff, I mean, that, that's some of the guys in West Texas are already doing that. They had S9s on the shelf because they were just doing a POC on a well. It's like they were giving yeah. the gas away. So like, why would I go? So now they're pulling the S9s out and throwing in what's miners. So like, oh, yeah. it's absolutely a very fair strategy. I'm curious to see. How it plays out because you'll. I mean, next time Bitcoin rips, people
0: are going to go crazy. Oh, and, they're going to go crazy. Oh, that, yeah. I, that's the thing <laughs> is, they have, everybody that I've talked to sometimes are like, oh, this is going to be the last bear market we have. And it's, no, it's not. It, it, this is always going to have bear markets. It's, it's a commodity type of uh, product, yeah. and the prices go up and down in commodities. Yeah, like and the, we're the exposed
2: to human nature, right? right. Greed right. and fear people, cycles, yeah. my friend. Yeah,
0: it, yeah. It's true. Yeah.
1: So, so walk me through. I got one more question. Um, I know we've already gone quite long. On the, on the ASIC side, if somebody's buying, you know, uh, let's just say 1,500 ASICs, that's the example we keep using, are they buying cash? Or is, are they financing? What are the options here? Um, so, Luxor, What are you seeing, too? I'm kind of curious, like, sure. what are the trends?
2: Um, Luxor, actually, we only take 100% payment up front. Um, in some cases where we… Is that fiat or Bitcoin or either one? Um, fiat, you know, our, we're an American company, so US wire yeah. works best for us. Um, but we do i mean especially transacting with vendors overseas um you do a lot of the transaction there with usdt yeah. just because it's easier to 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 send and and get the deal done so but to to answer your question everybody that that has been buying asics maybe they have financing on their other side but by the time they come to us they they have the money ready to go and ready to pull the trigger so um People learned a lot of lessons from taking out ASIC-backed loans last year. Yeah. and I, I
1: could see how they could go south really, really quickly. Yeah, and
2: financiers are not as willing to, to yeah. finance equipment now because of that reason. A lot of people got burned. I mean, uh, we did a 6,000-unit auction of, of miners in Norway where it was just that, that case. They had financed these miners through an investment bank um, exposed to variable. Power rates, guess what? Power goes up. They can't pay their electricity bill anymore. The bankers want their money back. So they tell them to, to liquidate the machines. And uh, yeah, it, it's crazy, man. So I don't feel like we're going to see. I, I know it exists, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of ASIC backed financing going forward.
4: Though, when you do see financing, that's actually a excellent opportunity to plug the derivatives because like Mm -hmm. you can see derivatives as part of like an insurance policy anyone who is willing to loan you capital for a a purchase of ASICs it would be really easy to imagine okay part of the terms you have to have an insurance policy in the form of hash rate derivative you have to guarantee that you're going to get income from these machines otherwise we're not going to lend you the money
0: I missed the last question but um but yeah talking about ASIC
1: back financing how it a lot oh, of him man, got burned. Doesn't
0: work. I could talk about that all day long too. That's <laughs> another one that I think is probably uh, one of the areas that needs a, a biggest overhaul of anything. Just because miners have to have money at a cost that is a lot more reasonable. Eighteen um, percent interest on the, or you know, fifteen percent interest on eighteen month loans for something that fluctuates in value the way it does. That's a hard is, money. It's money not right gonna thing. work. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. And especially when you know the the groups that have been financing this stuff they're realizing now that we are completely exposed mm-hmm. and so the loan values that you're going to get based on the collateral you're putting up it's going to go from i mean we were talking before i think 40 to 60% some people were doing it's going to go down to like 5 to 10% during bull markets I bet you because you have to you have to finance it as something that you're not like going to risk basically having collateral that does not even measure up to what you've loaned, right? Yep. And so I, this is, that's one of the areas that I think is yeah. probably, it, there needs to be an overhaul of some sort. Well, I got a
2: hot take for you before we get out of here. Bitcoin price Q3 over 30K. ASICs are going to be trading above $20 per terahash and up. I'm telling my clients right now, it's the best time. You can get new generation ASICs, under two grand. That's going to be, um, that's not going to be the case soon. So
0: I agree. I think this is obviously the best time I think we're going to have to buy hardware. Now is
1: the time
2: to build.
0: Now is the time to build. Yeah. We, we've talked about yeah.
1: that. Yeah. On much. that note, like, I mean, do you guys, is everybody that you guys are talking to, is that people who are already in the game? Or do you guys have people who are like, they want exposure to this? Hey, I've got $50 million laying around. I mean, where can I deploy some capital in this space? Or does that
2: that not even exist? No, both. I I mean, I was walking around Nape and, you you know, anybody that I talked to that I was in the Bitcoin space, they immediately got very curious. I had one guy straight up tell me, I'm the money guy. How do I get into the space? (laughs) Where do I need to invest? Old move, Cotton. (laughs) You you see what I'm saying, though? There are are people that are just can't wait to get into this space. Mm -hmm. They may not know. The, the right investment route for them um, but there's but there's options but to answer your question I've seen new miners anybody with available rack space they're buying up min- miners as fast as they can right now you I've know, got so. a
4: buddy a week after I started at Lux, he's like hey we should get lunch he's like so you're in Bitcoin mining huh mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like it's <laughs> like my boss has some uh, really good PPA and like so we're trying to see if we can get him hooked up so Good. I should get them to empower though. You
2: should yes, get them to empower. Oh, yeah. We haven't even mentioned. No, haven't empower, about. I don't know.
1: This is literally gonna Next go week. out two days before Empower. You can buy tickets at the door. Um, so feel free to show up. You can show up for a day, show up for both days. It's gonna be a blast, man. It All is. of us are gonna be there. Everybody you've seen on the podcast is gonna be there. Yep. Everybody you haven't seen the podcast, we're is gonna, also be gonna be running there.
2: a the first ever yes. public <laughs> live auction. At Empower Conference. You're wearing a bolo tie. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a bolo tie, a cowboy hat, the gavel, the whole deal. Do so do we get like
0: paddles and everything? Yeah, you're gonna have right. paddles
2: and everything. So yes. uh, you know, I heard there's going to be an S19 XP for auction. Maybe some other really cool. Right. Uh, maybe some what's miners. So and, and then where the and the- also the- let's take this is a charity auction. Yes. So where are the proceeds going? So all the proceeds are going to the Satoshi Action Fund and uh, the Texas Bli- uh, Texas Blockchain Council.
1: So. Love nice. well, yeah. both so, of those groups. They're both going to be there. Right. Uh, Satoshi's doing a dinner. Yeah, TBC. We've been, dinner, you know, right. partners with for a long time. Lovely over there and the rest of the team. So absolutely, I think it's it's cool. Kind of giving back to this community.
0: Lee and Steve got a cool thing going on. I can't. I'm, I'll let them. We got to have them on. Yeah, here. They, they just took me out to it? to riot. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. For,
2: I got to go out there with a bunch of Texas legislators and tour riot. We got some brisket. And mac and cheese, uh, Gideon was there. We were hanging out. It was incredible. Oh, I saw so, that picture, actually. Though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so we were out there spreading the Bitcoin bo- gospel to the, the legislature. They loved it. They loved everything about it. So That's, that's awesome. Very Texas, They're Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Yeah. We're good. We're good here. <sighs> that's yeah, right. I'm glad to be in Texas.
2: So. Texas
1: forever. Absolutely.
0: Well, guys, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. It's and, been a blast. Uh, looking forward to next week. Definitely looking forward to the auction, man. I'll yeah. be it's up fun. there. It's gonna be a good time. Can you what?
1: speak
4: that quickly? I'm curious. Uh,
2: One dollar per terahash. Two dollars per, <laughs> <pretty quick>. <laughs> <pretty> per terahash. Three dollars per terahash. So <laughs> what, we'll what more? do you need, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> well, man. I'm ready.
0: Well, good. Well, yeah. thank you guys. Um, I mean, you got anything else? You want
1: I try to convince them to wear like a like a like a dumb and dumber version, like their suits is blue and orange suits, oh, right. <laughs> but like but like cowboy like cowboy, yeah, like rhinestone cowboy. You we'll should see. So, We'll
2: Come see. Come on.
0: You guys got a week to get I was thinking
2: more like, you know, Johnny Cash, all black kind of look. <laughs> but La Flama Blanca. Yeah. There hey, you go. We got Johnny a big powers. contingent
4: coming, too. We've got Nick, our CEO, Ethan, our COO, uh, Aaron, our, my boss, uh, director. Yeah, he's already yeah. on here, director yeah. of business development. So, yeah, I y'all we coming got, out in full force. Wait, we yeah. got him
0: a promotion to vice president of business development. I thought oh. we tried to do the last, did we, we did we, him on. Yeah, maybe he needs
1: another promotion. Yeah, wouldn't it? I like it. And, Keep hyping us up, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Everybody needs to be a VP, like a bank. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. On, let's do that. I like it. Well, thanks, guys. This is fun. Yeah, so I had a
2: great time. Thank you for having me. I learned us. a lot.
0: Oh no, it did. Was, that was actually very, very educational. Yeah. we well, we'll gonna get the derivatives guys on soon. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah.
2: We're down to come nerd out actually, anytime. Yeah.
0: We definitely need to get that one. Cause that, that's yeah. such a big one for yeah, the industry, like the outsider, the mm-hmm. oil and yeah. gas industry folks. If if that if you can get uncomfortable on that that end, mm-hmm. there's gonna be a lot more of them I may over. I
1: may actually pull Chuck into that podcast. We may have to oh, strap yeah, on a should. few more mics. Yeah. yeah we need we need we need some we need some finance there you go. Yeah. wisdom to kinda come to the table to help.
0: Why have we not had Chuck on here? He could give a good. He's, he's I think he's asleep on the couch right now. Up there.
1: <laughs> Is he? Let's go wake we, him up. We could on. do
0: episode two in one day. We do I like a marathon.
1: We could. We got a marathon on the seventh, marathon on the Yeah, tenth. we do.
0: We do. We got a bunch of, we're going to do a lot of shows during A lot the power, of shows. So oh. we need to actually sit down and probably schedule we're those probably out. Should. Some photobomb opportunities. Right. Just jumping in the background. Tons of them. So if you guys like the
1: show, we actually, we've never really asked for ratings or reviews. We've yeah. gotten like one, I think, and it was five stars. So let's keep that trend going. Oh, we
0: have like, Four now.
1: But by, by the way, I looked at download numbers. Been podcasting six years, like I said, everybody in this space listens to the show.
0: I have so, a client who who flew in from Australia yesterday. He told me he downloaded every episode. Hell yeah. Said it was best uh, the bet this is the best Bitcoin podcast he's listened Let's to. Let's
3: go. Love every it. time I, I listen, listen, I
0: think he's right. I've listened
4: to every episode, and like I've met, I think I've met just about every single person you've had on here. And I, when I look at it, I'm like, I've met that guy. I'll, no. I'll get to it. it. I'll get to it later in the week. And I'll listen to it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so good. Like Thank you. The, the depth that you get to with the, the conversation here. It's just fantastic. It's, well, it's yeah.
0: really good. That is a very nice compliment. There's that a review, a Jake.
1: What? That There's was a, a review. review. Yeah. That's yeah. a review right there. I'm just going to take t- that as a micro club. And we're <laughs> just going to
0: share that. Yeah. I did Everybody see should one go review. Listen to it. I think it was on iTunes uh, or like whatever the podcast thing is for Apple. And it was it was like really great review, and it was like it followed up. I am not either one of their mothers. So <laughs> I was like, oh, good. that's probably Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> it probably was Lisa. Yeah, definitely. She's so yeah. nice. Uh, she's awesome. She's, she's awesome. the best. That was, that, I liked, I enjoyed her episode. But well, yeah, thank yep. you guys. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. See you yeah, Let's see, see
3: you there. there.